Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast. My name is Shante Bahitige. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the new London Offices reporter at EG. For my debut into this series, I sat down with six partners and heads at Cushman and Wakefield for a roundtable discussion about all things office take up across London and the major regions. Cushman's 2022 Big Six report tracked a challenging year for office markets across the UK. In this episode, EG talks to partners focused on some of the busiest city markets to hear their thoughts on what comes next. What kind of occupiers are driving take up? How are different cities faring in the return to the office? How stark is the difference between the best and the rest office stock? And how is that shaping activity in the development and leasing markets? We asked each partner to outline the state of their own city or regional market to compare lessons learned across the big cities and make some predictions for 2023 and beyond. I was joined in the virtual studio by James Thompson, partner in the Edinburgh office, Andy Tyler, head of London office leasing, Mark Denford, head of occupier representation outside of London, specialising in the South East, Scott Rutherford, head of Midlands office agency, Rob Yates, head of Northwest office agency, and Steve Lane, head of office agency in Bristol. So let's start by setting the scene in each market that you're covering. Could you each give us an overview of take up in your city or region? So, Steve, let's start with you. Uh, 2022 was actually a, a, a relatively positive year for for, for Bristol as a, a as a region. Uh, we finished the year take up of uh, just over 620,000 square feet, which was 7% up on the five-year average and just under 5% up on the 10-year average. So uh, all things considered, uh, a, a, a strong year. Um, and actually, it was actually 15% up on the previously year 2021. So uh, on on paper, makes makes very positive reading. Um, in terms of the, the the headline rents, I guess, which is a key story. Again, um, we saw headline rents move move on to up to 42 pounds 50 a square foot, um, set on 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 some of the the, the sort of best best in market kit, uh, which which we're seeing coming coming through. Um, the that rent story has been driven by lack of supply. Um, we, we are sort of struggling with it with a lack of supply of, of really good quality grade A kit in, in the market. Uh, vacancy at the moment sits at just over 5%. Um, so it, 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 it is fairly tight. Um, but but also all things considered off, off the back of last year. Um, yeah, a, a fairly optimistic start to uh, 2023. Are you also seeing similar things in your region, Scott? Um, yes, indeed. I think um, 2022 ended up on a positive note and probably better than we would have thought um, halfway through the year. The final quarter, just over 210,000 square feet and a final outturn, outturn of just under 700 was a, was a good was a good result in a challenging year. But we we saw a few uh, long term requirements, including Goldman Sachs come to fruition in the year, which is very positive for the for the city. And rents have certainly held up well and, and slightly moved on in the year. So we're now saying that our prime um, prime rents is £41 per square foot, mm-hmm. um, achieved in, you know, in the best building in the city. Again, we've seen further evidence of the flight to quality uh, and buildings like 103 Cornwall Road being like a magnet to a certain type of occupier. 
And already this year, we've we've put to bed a few sort of reasonable deals that could have happened last year. There was a lot of there was a lot of slowness in some transactions towards the end of last year. I think people have struggled to get thing, a few things over line, and those have happened now, which is good to see. So we see a reasonable start to the year, where we'd seen a tail off in inquiries at the end of uh, in the second half of 2022. Been pleasantly surprised by the volume of mid-range requirements returning into the marketplace, um, driving it forward. Do you think that that Q4 sort of bolstered with those larger uh, leasing deals? Do you think that bolstered the take up for the whole year? Yes, it did. Um, But, you know, deals take a long time in a market like this, so it's not unusual that the year is um, sort of tail-ended. Rob, would you concur? Uh, yes, um, similar themes in Manchester. Um, take up in 2022 was very strong. Uh, one, 1.2 million square feet was transacted. Um, this is an increase on 2021 uh, and 2020, uh, the pandemic years. Uh, rents have also increased. We're at £40 a square foot now for our prime space. Um, the the other thing that was um, was good in 2022 was we we saw a return of some of the bigger occupiers. There were ten um, transactions over ten thousand square feet, and pre- in previous years we haven't seen those. So um, so that was good. Um, grade A supply at the moment in the city is um, reducing all the time. We've got about a half a million square feet of standing stock. Um, we've also got four new developments under construction, which will provide supply for 23 and 24, but generally yeah, a similar picture. So those four new developments under construction, are they quite large developments? Yeah, they they will provide in totality probably about another 600,000 square foot of product to the market over the next two years, um, which sounds a lot, um, but the uh, the average sort of grade A take up per year is half a million square feet. So you can see with the existing supply and what's coming forward, we are looking at a supply and demand imbalance. That seems to be a running theme that so far, obviously, this flight to quality has brought up um, in most of the regions. And I think it's something that I certainly from my end have seen in my conversations with other industry professionals that there is a real issue with supply and demand going forwards. And that's something that the industry is going to have to think very long and hard about how they're going to resolve. James, let's have a chat about what's what's going on in, in Edinburgh. Yeah, so um, Edinburgh last year, we saw about 625,000 square feet of take up. That's it's about 18.5% down on the long term average. But but the interesting thing is that the last two years, we've seen a very high level of regears. And if you put the total market activity together, it's actually held up pretty well. Uh, and I think that's reflective of indecision amongst occupiers, which I think is, is is common to all of us. Scott mentioned slow moving occupiers, not making decisions, kicking the can down the road. But it also reflects a lack of supply in Edinburgh. Um, very similar to Bristol, our, our grade A supply is very low. One percent super prime is, is much less than that. There's only a few tens of thousands of square feet available. 
Um, so it's as much that people haven't been able to find what they want on the terms they wanted on as 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 um, as, as a de deferred decision. You know, we had a pretty positive start to the year. It's it's mostly small to medium. There's not a lot of big players in the market at the moment, but they're out doing viewings, look like like they want to take decisions. Uh, we saw prime rents being pushed up at the Haymarket scheme to 39, 40 pounds a square foot. Um, and in the supply coming through, uh, nobody's quoting for obvious reasons, but but you'll get indicated rents up into the mid 40s on that. And in terms of speculative development and other new developments that are un in construction in Edinburgh, what's the outlook? Of the of the spaces on site at the moment, about 85 percent is let um, during construction prior to completion. So the actual outturn of, of vacant space from the current developments will be almost nothing. Um, we've got one building of 35,000 square feet finishing this year and then about 250,000 square feet the year after and then nothing the year after that. So it's quite lumpy. And if you put that in the context of the sort of average grade A take up over time, it's actually not a lot. So I think we'll see a year this year of preletting. Um, with a lot of that stock absorbed and and I don't expect to see that supply pinch at the prime end of the market easing too much over time. Andy, is that similar to what's going on in London or is there a marked difference would you say between London and what's happening in other regions? I think London sells uh, a, a pretty similar story actually. If you If you look at what's happened over the last couple of years, you know, we've gone from the pandemic low of just over 4 million square foot of take up in 2021 that jumped to over 8 million square foot, um, sorry, in 2020. And in 21, that jumped up to just over 8 million square foot, whereas 2022, um, we were over, we were approaching 10.5 million square foot. So it, it's rebounded very strongly. Um, the interesting piece, and, and the other guys have touched on it, is, is the lack of availability of, of good quality grade A stock. So against the vacancy rate of approaching 9%, the actual grade A vacancy rate is probably closer to 3%. Um, so we're, we're seeing an average increase in, uh, in take up against a dwindling grade A supply. Uh, and that's clearly having an impact upon rent. Um, so whilst you might look at, for example, average rents in the West End, average prime rents being £120 a foot, there are deals, plentiful deals now that are trading significantly higher, that 160 a foot. Uh, just recently in the city, a not dissimilar story. You know, your average prime rent is £72.50, but there is a strong market between £80 and £90 a foot, uh, even higher than that. Again, subject to, you know, being in that, let's call it that super prime bracket, which is probably the top 5 to 10% uh, of available space uh, across the market. This year, again, has started encouragingly. Uh, Cushman's fortunate have been... Uh, pre-letting 140,000 square foot to TikTok uh, over on Aldersgate Street from a city perspective. And then from a West End perspective, you may have seen the news yesterday, uh, pre-letting uh, 83,000 square foot to Virgin Media uh, at Paddington. So overall, pretty encouraging. That segues quite nicely, I think, into talking about occupiers and what occupiers are looking for and what they want. So, Mark, I'm going to defer to you for this one. But I think we, we've we been seeing from my end, and I think we all know that Occupy needs a, and wants are changing quite drastically uh, at the moment. What are they telling you about their post-pandemic workplace strategies and how are landlords and developers addressing those new needs in their schemes? 
we're in a in a sort of state of flux at the moment in terms of what the occupier wants and i think it's quite interesting looking back over the course of the last couple of years because you know there's all this pent-up demand that um uh, came out of covid when no one did absolutely and did anything at all and towards the end of 2020 the the floodgates opened and all these requirements had done nothing for for the previous two years yeah, there, there was pressure to get on and do things. So, you know, the end of 20, uh, 2020 and into sort of 20, uh, sorry, end of 21 and into 22, we had all this pent up to mark coming to the market. And despite the war uh, back in sort of February of last year, which should have been, you know, an absolute break on that, those requirements still came through as pent up demand that had to had to, to action. So, I think generally across the board, we had a better year last year than you might otherwise have ever expected, despite the war. But what's happening now, again, we've got a, a, a strange situation where we've got economic uncertainty for a lot of occupiers in terms of where their business is going. What, what is happening uh, with with sort of uh, the European economies? Um, how will that affect their, their business on the ground? And ultimately, how will that affect what their office takes going to be, their requirements going to be? So there's that uncertainty, but there's also the uncertainty of how um, their staff are actually working. If you asked most of these companies uh, a year and a half ago, they would be saying, yeah, start, the office is virtually dead. We're going to downsize significantly. We're going to have two or three days in the office maximum a week because it's all working very well. It's amazing how uh, a bit of economic uncertainty can change the uh, sentiment of the, the of the board who now want to see their staff coming back into the office more. Uh, they want they need to have the uptick in productivity if they're facing economic uncertainty, they need that productivity to improve, increase quite significantly. So there is a gentle at the moment encouragement to get staff back into the office. Um, which will mean that more office space is actually required than the initially thought. So it's quite interesting now. I've got a, a few situations uh, where clients saying to us, we didn't take enough space. You know, back we, we, the space that we were budgeting for, which was 25, 30% less space because of all the flexible working, is now not going to accommodate the number of people we actually want to come back into the office. So how do we move forward on that? And that ties into the companies who have requirements now are saying we're not ready to make a decision on how much space we actually need because we don't know what that looks like. Um, you know, we are having more people come back to office, but that's not again, that's a moving feast at the moment. It's not certain. Yeah, are we going to close down? There's a report recently about sort of four, the four day working week and how that didn't affect productivity in, in some of these companies. I don't think there are two other clients are looking at that, but they are sort of saying, we, we perhaps will not work on a Friday, but we expect everyone to come in on on not work. Sorry, we, we won't we'll expect you to be in the office on a Friday, but we'll expect people to be in the office for the other four days. Uh, and then it is very much a case of, well, when we do come back to the office, it is a best in class type of scenario we're looking at. Uh, there's very some of the small occupiers who are very cost conscious in terms of their their moves might be looking slightly differently as some of the the more uh, secondary space, but generally it is that prime um, space take that they're all looking for. And there is not the prime space out there. Every one of the contributors on this on this call have mentioned the lack of grade A supply and the lack of development. Economic uncertainty will you know, further influence that uh, in terms of new development coming on stream. 
So we then got the situation where where companies are perhaps saying we're not ready to make a decision, but if we don't make a decision now, the space that we will want to take is not going to be there when we want to take the decision. So it's a very interesting scenario we're in. It's we are in a state of flux. There's a lot of push and pull factors, and quite frankly, it's anybody's uh, <laughs> guess where that's going, where we're going to end up in in Q2. And I think it'll have a lot to do with where we where how the economic outlook is by the time we get to the middle of the year. There are forecasters saying things will start to improve uh, towards Q3, Q4 of the year, but then you've got to sort of counter that with the reports of you know, how the war is going, um, that it's like the, that there's no end in sight to the war and how that can escalate effectively with perhaps the players such as China having more of an influence in, into it. So um, the answer to your question is I've got no idea and I don't think any of our clients <laughs> have any actual idea about what the future future holds for them. It'd be nice to have a crystal ball right about now, wouldn't it? Absolutely. There is a big issue at the moment with defunct kind of old office space, um, I think, across the market. And it's kind of emerging where we're seeing this old stock, as you've both said, um, with poor ESG credentials becoming unlettable and it's just sitting on the market. Um, And sort of stats are showing that now that I think it was around three quarters of available stock in the major cities um, outside of London is secondary stock. So, it's quite an overwhelming stat when you actually, you know, break it down. So in, in your opinion, I'd love to hear where you think we go from here. Like what happens to that secondary stock and what are the options for it? Because somehow we're going to have to figure out what to do with it because this is just not, it's obviously not sustainable anymore. So, I mean, Scott, let, let's start with you. Well, I mean, in our city, I mean, as you say, in 2022, there was absolutely no take up of that sort of tertiary stock. Um, all, all, all of the stock taken up was of oh, that sort of super prime or nearly super prime levels. But we are seeing some sectors coming into the market that are adapting those buildings and repurposing them. I think particularly across, I would imagine this is probably the case on other in other regions, the educational sector is actually quite a prime mover and taking a significant amount of stock out of the market. They will look at where where more locationally challenged buildings, if they're in close um, proximity to their existing to their existing campuses, and also the sort of MBA and further education type users, they want to buddy up with universities, etc. And again, they'll take some of those peripheral. That's one that's one type of use. But you know, the whole repurposing of these offices is 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 a very mute and an active point at the moment. In terms of other options, is there anything else? Because I think everyone immediately goes to repurposing. And in my mind, I think either repurpose or obviously invest the money in in retrofitting or updating the building as much as possible. But that's not always so easy, especially with obviously rising build costs, all of those other things to consider. So, um, I mean, what other options are there? Is that still a, a viable option to look at refurbishing? I think we're looking at a we're we're involved in a number of cases at the moment where we're looking at re- refurbishing and refreshing buildings and bring them up to the highest sort of ESG standards. As you say, viability is one of the key points in the market at the moment, particularly in the regional markets where rents are somewhat lower. But um, there's a general acknowledgement amongst agents that 
you know, they can't hold the market back and that actually that sort of quality has to be paid for. And we're all we're all aware of the numbers and they are quite, you know, they are quite substantial to take the stock to the levels that Mark is referring to of the highest ESG criteria. It does have big impacts on costs. I, th I think that embodied carbon story is also really important when you're looking at refurbishment, um, clearly, and some occupiers are, you know, alert to that. So that's that certainly works in the favour of, of, of a refurb. And, and clearly, you know, if you've got a well-located building um, with the amenities, et cetera, which Andy mentioned earlier, then that is clearly far more uh, viable than than something which might be, you know, fringe, fringe location and, and actually isn't going to work. So. I think that embodied carbon and there's, there's a number of examples in, in Bristol being delivered and be interesting to see how those are those are you know received by the market. Um, just the nature of those buildings, there will be you know there will be compromises whether that's slab to slab or you know number of columns etc. Um, but I suppose in in a market which is you know very tight supply um, and some you know some some very good design. Uh, I think there are certainly there is certainly room for that in 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 in, in well certainly in the Bristol market and I'd say in, in sort of other regional markets as well. Yeah, and uh, where where change of use doesn't address the story, and you know, Edinburgh has many similarities with Bristol. You know, pretty tight city core. If a building comes available and it and it can go down the residential hotel BTR student route, it will. Um, that that leaves you with a with a sump of other buildings uh, which need significant capital expenditure and you know, going for greater density on the sites is 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 one approach and particularly on the business part of sites where you've got extensive surface car parking where you can manage it where you've got the public transport you you build more and that's one one answer to to trying to bring these buildings back it would be remiss of me not to get your forward predictions and start looking ahead um, at what's going to happen in 2023. I know we've already said we wish we had a crystal ball, um, but if we did have a DeLorean and managed to get our hands on a way to time travel and we were having this conversation a year from now, what do you think will have happened, each of you? Let's start with Andy. I do think, if I'm looking forward, whether that be the next 12 months or, or indeed beyond that, um, that the human race has got an incredibly short memory. Um, and I'm sure I have no doubt in my mind that, that we will be looking back in the future at what we did during the pandemic years and probably think that was absolute madness to an extent. I'm very confident in terms of, you know, the future of the office. Yes, it does have to change. And yes, as we've talked through, there is this, uh, this issue of obsolescence, but, you know, obsolescence equals opportunity. So I do think that there is a, a place and will remain a place for the office. I think from a London perspective, you know, you've got a fantastic global city with all the associated amenities around that. People still want to be in London. So I remain confident of the London office market going forward. I do think that there will be that increasing divergence between the different qualities of space. I'm confident that we will see further rental growth going forward over the next one, three, five years, but on the better quality space. With the shortage um, of grade A space available, I would expect to see further pre-letting coming through as we're already evidencing this year, uh, despite the fact we're yet through the end of February. So I think we'll see further pre-letting. In turn, uh, we all recognize the fact that it is going to be difficult to build on a speculative basis because the costs 
associated either borrowing or indeed of actual physical construction. So I think we will then find ourselves in more of a supply shortage going forward because we won't see so much development stock coming through combined with the increasing amount of pre-letting. So I'd say from a landlord perspective, uh, it looks encouraging. I think back to Mark's point, I think it's going to be more challenging from an occupier's perspective when they see increasing limited opportunities to acquire an HQ against the backdrop of having very, very little choice. James and Mark, you're both nodding along in agreement there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Go on, James. Go after I, James. I, I broadly agree with 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 that with that assessment. Um, every confidence in 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 the office, a city like Edinburgh, which is a very attractive place to be and place to work, very attractive for graduates and 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 bringing talent in. Um, you know, the the city centre, you know, will always be an attractive place to be, and the best parts of the periphery. Um, we, we're seeing increasing return to work. It is differential by by industry type, uh, but we're seeing that ramping up steadily. Um, supply of 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 new uh, grade A space is always a problem in Edinburgh, so I see that continuing. Um, and uh, you know, a, a positive future of the market. I think the challenge is going to be in that space of as the buildings which have been built in the last twenty or thirty years start to come back round again. Um, how do you how do you bring them back into the market? And I think that's going to take some intense thinking from the from the people around this this table and and in our industry. Yeah, it's fine. I'd, I'd support what Andy said as well. I'm looking at it slightly different perspective. I think someone once told me it takes uh, three months of doing something to form a habit, and we got we all got into the habit of working from home through COVID because we're forced to work from home and that habit was once you've got a habit it's quite difficult to break a habit so there was this whole mentality of we're not going back to the office because we're used to working from home now when when people start to come back to the office and you've got to come back to the office in numbers to enjoy coming back to the office but that will form a habit and to Andy's point we'll all be into habit of working in the office again perhaps four days a week rather than a, a, a full a full week but that will be the habit and we wouldn't we that's what we'll be used to and that's what will be required going forward. We'll need, we'll need space to accommodate that type of occupancy uh, going forward. Um, I think one of the things that will have to change is occupiers' attitude to rents. Um, I think there is an education here that needs to be done with a lot of the, uh, the board level um, decision makers. Uh, in terms of companies where they're used to pay, paying rents at say of you know for prime rent regional office rents of of 39 40 pounds a square foot with the increase in demand and the decrease in actual availability of you know top top class a quality space those rents are going to go up and and the rents also need to go up because if we are more demanding as occupiers as to what we want out of our buildings, we want them to be, you know, EPCA. We want them to have a BRIAM outstanding rather than ex excellent. We want to neighbours. We want all these added on additions to meet all the ESG and, and the sort of the the wellness uh, for our staff coming back to these best offices. That costs. You know, there is quite a differential in, in what it costs to refurbish a building to get to a, a BRIAM outstanding uh, against a BRIAM excellent. There is a cost to that. And there's an education piece that needs to be done to, so that occupiers understand that it, if you if you pay for it, you'll get it. If you don't, someone else is going to beat you to it. 
And look, let, let's not get ourselves. You have to see rental inflation in order to persuade developers and investors to build. And it's rental inflation that we haven't had, again, more regionally speaking, for the last 25 years. You know, rents have not gone up with inflation in those 25 years. So we, we are having a bit of a price correction. Um, now, that price correction has been um, uh, forced on us, if you like, by, by the cost of, of uh, cost of construction going up and inflation, funding, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, if you if you looked at rents where they were 25 years ago and, and you put a, a normal inflationary sort of uh, uh, inflation on that over the years, it would be significantly higher than we're actually talking about even now. Steve, do you have any additional predictions to add when you're looking specifically at your region? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd echo, you know, much you know, what Andy and Mark have said there. I mean, as I started with, you know, sentiment re- remains positive in Bristol um, and we're seeing our occupier clients continue to use their space uh, as a tool to, to to attract and retain best talent. Um, and therefore, we, we expect this move to continue um, with, with people looking looking at best in class space. I mean, just touching on that point in terms of supply, you know, we, we have uh, just over 300,000 square foot being delivered this year. Almost 50% of that is under under offer or pre-let. So that in itself, I think, gives gives landlords and developers confidence in in certainly in in, in the local market. Scott, I'd, well, I'd add that we're confident about the future of offices in Birmingham. Uh, the one additional thing I can see is that we could see more inward migration um, from other parts of the country, just based purely based on our one stock and locationally and good connectivity, train and airport-wise. And we're seeing a few feasibility studies of people looking from other parts of the country to actually put um, consolidated operations in Birmingham. I think that's a positive for us. Again, I'd echo what Mark says in terms of viability and the uh, the necessity for people to understand that buildings that are so highly specced in ESG and other ways require rental growth, let's say, if not inflation, because these buildings are being asked to do things that they were never asked to do before and are much more sophisticated. Rob, I'm going to take it to you to round us off. We're very confident um, of the future of the office market in Manchester. Um, we will continue to see a flight to quality. The uh, developers behind the four new buildings that are under construction should be very confident that their space will let. Um, in turn, I think they'll drive higher record rents in Manchester. Um, and similarly to, to what Scott was saying, we are seeing inward migration from other areas of the UK and also from outlying areas of Manchester where occupiers want to come into the city because that's where the talent wants to work uh, and live. Um, and ultimately, they're the ones that are driving the market. You know, there's talent behind the uh, the big companies. Uh, they need offices um, where the talent wants to be. Well, I think we've had quite the interesting discussion about the differences in take up and speculative development across the regions. But what I think everyone can agree on is that the flight to quality is very much still at the forefront of office leasing across the UK. Issues with supplying and sourcing prime and super prime stock continue to be a problem across the board and currently answers 
or rather solutions for meeting this demand in the coming months and years are at the forefront of the collective imagination in this sector. Though we may not have all the answers as to how we bridge the gap between the best and the rest just yet, it's clear that the office is still undergoing its metamorphosis to fit the needs of contemporary post-COVID occupiers. So, James, Andy, Mark, Scott, Rob and Steve, I know these conversations will continue, but thank you for your insights and for sharing your thoughts with EG today. And thank you for listening. For more coverage of office real estate, as well as all of EG's other news and analysis, head to our website.